for me, the story ended up being, how does one handle failure? How does one fail and get up again and keep going? And I didn't know when I was filming what this would be about. I thought it was going to be about one thing. Turned out to be about something completely different. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the She's So Real podcast. I'm your hostess, AJ Joyce, where we dive in each week to chat with multifaceted women in the film and entertainment industry who believe in diversity and inclusion through their work and the media. I'm a digital creator and a black girl nerd with a background in fun movie reviews, film enthusiasm, and girl power advocacy who's obsessed with creating a space for talented, badass women. Grab your drink and your popcorn because these ladies are the real deal. Hey, y'all. Today we are getting real with Liz Lachman. Emmy award-winning musician and composer is giving us the inside scoop on how she transitioned from music and songwriting to a self-taught filmmaker. Liz drops all her gems on storytelling through a lens as a gay woman in the industry. We dig in even deeper to see how her experiences impacted her filmmaking. We get a closer look into her inspiration behind her multi-award winning short film pinup, which is in the pre-production phase to be a feature film. Whoop whoop. Also, she shares behind the camera moments with her next upcoming film about her partner and chef extraordinaire, Susan Vinegar, and her year and a half long venture with her first solo restaurant. Food and film. Ah, man, it's going to be yummy for sure. Liz and I had a grand spanking time, okay? It felt like I was talking to a good friend with all the jokes. We get personal. We have a fun time. We are literal giggle boxes on here. But most importantly, Liz is the real deal, okay? I am overjoyed to have her on this podcast. Let's dig in, shall we? Ready to stop firing the Instagram algorithm and start building your email list like me? I thought so. Meet my marketing secret weapon, Flowdesk. Rather, if you're an entrepreneur, a content creator, or an artist, you can use Flowdesk to create campaigns in minutes that grow your business, gain more followers, and make passive money. I mean, like, who doesn't like making money in their sleep? Flowdesk gives you the ability to design emails with stunning templates people will actually love in their inbox and look great in any device. To stay on brand, Flowdesk gives you the creative freedom to use custom brand colors and fonts so you can be on top of your marketing game. The best part is you can have unlimited subscribers with no upgrade fees or penalties. Support this female-owned business by signing up today for 50% off your monthly subscription forever. Flowdesk. Email marketing just got a whole lot easier. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm great, AJ. How are you? Good. Thanks for being on the show. I'm very excited. <laughs> very excited to be here. This is going to be so fun. Congratulations on all your success. Oh, stop it. Sounds, it, stop sounds it. like you're doing cool stuff. I'm very, <laughs> very, I'm very honored to be a guest here. Oh, please stop. You're making me blush and they can't even okay. see it. <laughs> all right. Just in case your audience cares, she's blushing. I can see it. 
<laughs> Thanks, Liz. I want to know how you got started in the industry because you are dwelled in so many different positions from songwriter to musician, musician to filmmaker. I want to know how you got started. Okay. Well, there's these words in the industry mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily how I got started, but mm-hmm. you know, cause when I was 15, I was singing in a big band in Detroit. Ooh, okay. Okay. Right. What is that so big was, band? Well, it was, what is it? It was called, <laughs> what is it? it was called the, uh, the Johnny Santini, no, Eddie Santini big band. And it, you know, it was this big, you know, like 14 piece trumpets, trombones, the whole deal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just doing all these jazz standards. And I was their singer. So they would do all these parties and they would do clubs and that would be what I did. You know, my, my parent, my mother would drop me off, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't even drive yet, you know, you later, honey. So, yeah, have fun, yeah, play, play nice. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Knock them dead. Right. So that's, I started on stage. Okay. So that's what I did. And then that kind of morphed into singing in clubs for a lot of years, six nights a week, you know? Yeah. Well, it was fun. You know, I mean, I, I must've been an, I was a night owl my whole life. So really it kind of suited me to start my sort of energetic day at 8 PM and then end up at three and four in the morning, you know, out. Out hanging out, having <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god, anyway, what that's types like, of, what types yeah. of genres would you sing in the club? Like, um, rock, well, this, pop, or mostly disco at the time. Ooh, yeah, okay. it was it was the thing. So, we were doing Donna Summer, we were doing all the you know, okay. all the cool, all the cool stuff, and yeah, like this is really sleazy, like hotel bars. Like we get booked, like oh, we got like three weeks. You have and, to start you know, somewhere. You have that's to start right. somewhere. But, you know, for me, it was it was work, and it was fun, and you know, and it was music, and that's what I cared about. So I did that for a lot of years, and then I then I moved to New York to be a musician, be you know, doing all that. And everyone said, if you want to be in records, which is what I wanted, you have to be in LA. So that's how I came out here and ended up working, lucky, got a job on a TV show as a music supervisor. And they ended up using a bunch of my music and using uh, songs that I had mm-hmm. written of me, me singing them. And then I started writing a score for that show for, for the TV series. So that's how I got into that. I just like a friend introduced me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, you're a musician. Let me help you. Blah, blah, blah. That's how that happened. And then the Emmy happened. I know. Ooh. I know. Dropping, dropping, dropping. See how I slipped that in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really smooth, huh? <laughs> so smooth. So smooth. Nobody noticed it at all. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> all right. So that was my in the industry moment. I like it. And I, I want to say something. Yeah, and go just for between, it. Between us girls. Okay. The person who got me my job. In that music department, the person who introduced now, obviously I had to have the chops to fill that position in, mm-hmm. in that TV job. But the person who, who got me positioned there, who introduced me, was a person who wanted to date me. Ooh, okay. See? see? Okay, I see where you're going with this. Just between us girls. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that till years later. Wow. So they, they continuously work with you and helping you. Well, yes, yes. Until it Mm -hmm. probably became obvious that, that the dating, once I, maybe it wasn't years, maybe it was like a year later, I became aware of it. And, and I was like, well, that's never going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I can't do that. (laughs) I just was so innocent in my brain. I didn't understand, you know, that that was the deal there. I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, I kind of thought it was because this person was being nice. You see, I was innocent and it's like not okay. It's not, you know, that's, I right. think that happens a lot. We're like taking a advantage lot, a lot, of. a lot. Yeah. Uh, or there's a, there's an ulterior motive. And like, if you're cute and all that, and if mm-hmm. you quote unquote play ball, look where we went right five minutes in, right? Yeah. This is a thing. It's a thing. And it bugs me that it's a thing. It's not always, but it's really, really present, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so. Just no, I, th- I think that's relevant, especially in today, because, you know, so many people are trying to, quote unquote, make it. And even for us youngsters, I would say on my end, you know, some people mm-hmm. are willing to go as far to take our innocence as mm-hmm. something to pass off on. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I truly didn't get it. You mm-hmm. know, I was an idiot. I was an idiot. And things haven't changed much. <laughs> I'm still an idiot. But well, we all learn. We all learn. You know, we all have our uh, moments. You yes, know? we do. Yeah. It, I keep having them. What? <laughs> we all have our moments for short. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, so where so so you asked me how I got into the industry and, and yes. you know, this woman, this woman introduced me mm-hmm, to that mm-hmm. job. And that got me the Emmy. And then, oh, look, I said it again. Oh, and then, the E word, everyone, <laughs> well, the E word. <laughs> when you hear it, these bells and whistles will go off. Um, <laughs> the magic word. And so, yeah, so that, and the thing I also didn't quite understand is like, how do you utilize the success you, you have? It's really not, other than me saying I have an Emmy, mm-hmm. like you want to be able to, to, to use it towards something, you know, like right. build on build on it. To propel you to the next step, for sure. Exactly. Like street cred, you know. It it was hard because Emmy for scoring television did not translate into a singer-songwriter getting your own record deal, see? Mm -hmm. So that was was a little bit of a, a, I couldn't quite make that jump. And then after I got to a certain (coughs) age, it was like, you know, I don't even want to make that jump anymore. So then I transitioned into screenwriting. Because wow. I thought writing writing music or writing uh, songs, lyric, is about uh, how do you make a visual image mm-hmm, in someone's mm-hmm. mind with very few words. Was and that easy for you to make that transition? It was. It really was because what happened was, you know, I took a class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm big on, I'm big on like educating myself. I'm like so worried I'm going to be an idiot. <laughs> You and I oh, both, though. <laughs> I love courses and classes, so. so. <laughs> it's like, I better make sure I'm doing this right. <laughs> I want you to know, I, I ran the New York Marathon. Ooh. And, and I, I had to read two books on how to run a marathon <laughs> before Girl, I could I do anything. <laughs> I would have read like 10 books. 
know how to do this. What do you do? <laughs> Most people would just start running. <laughs> how to run. Okay. Oh, Chapter one. <laughs> you Chapter move one. your arts like this. <laughs> no, put your shoes on. Oh, well, it's a good thing they told me that. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god! Sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. This, this okay. is gonna be good. I love stuff like this. All right. Anyway, but I but I digress. <laughs> Where was I? Was it easy for you to make that transition into screenwriting, going from songwriting? It really was because I had honed the 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 skill of trying to write imagery with few, very few words. So when I turned to writing a script, which is mm-hmm. imagery, you know, it's images on a page, right? Uh, you, using words, it was like, oh, I, I already got that. It was pretty easy transition. And, and the first screenplay I wrote um, did get optioned. So that gave me a false sense of security. <laughs> little, little did I know, <laughs> wasn't going to be all smooth sailing from there. But still, it was good. Yeah, it was easy. Just in terms of doing the work itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you learn about structure and you learn about the the little nuts and the, I call that the nuts and bolts, you know, mm-hmm. it's not story, but it's nuts and bolts of, of structure and how screenplays need to be written and structured and where the dialogue goes and all that stuff can be taught. And that's nuts and bolts, you know. Besides taking a course, <laughs> did you have any mentors along the way that helped you make that transition? I did not. Uh, I did not. And that has been one thing that if anybody asks me, what would you do differently or what would you advise? Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that I think is absolutely necessary is having someone mentor you. If you can find a mentor, honest to God, I'm still looking for one. (laughs) (laughs) Because, Because I, you know, I function in this vacuum. And it's not easy. And especially as, as a writer, you're sitting in front of your computer alone a lot. If you're not working in the field, you know, mm-hmm. like in a TV show or something where you're in a writer's room and you're still, it's still at some point, you've got to uh, sit in front of your computer by yourself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I have suffered for that, for not having someone. And, and see, when I go back, when you go back to that person who wanted to date me, yes, that actually was a mentor. Wow. And she wanted to date me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you see, so, you know. The fine it, lines. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, yeah. 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 But you need a, you need someone. Without her, I wouldn't have been introduced into that arena. Wow. So, Are you guys still in contact today? No, but that's because um, she's no longer in this human form. Uh-huh. Got it. Got it. <laughs> she passed. She, pa- she passed. <laughs> May she rest in peace. <laughs> exactly. But gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I, I'm going to pivot real quick because, you know, I was looking at your lovely resume, especially during your scoring days. And you have a lot of Disney under you. And I must <laughs> say, and have to call out one thing, being a 90s kid, you have yeah. gargoyles under you. Ah! Oh and. my God. I loved Gargoyles. I loved it. And the main reason right? I watched it was for the dramatic acting and the yeah. music. The music mm. itself going. Yeah. Bah, 
I'm surprised. I'm surprised you could hear the music because all they did was cover it up with sound effects. I have to. Oh say. well, yeah. yeah, I have to with the yeah. the thundering yeah. and everything yeah. else. No, yeah. I noticed. Yeah. I'm a big okay. keen about film music and TV show yeah. theme songs yeah. and all that. So. Oh my okay, gosh. now wait. Let me let me just say, wait before mm-hmm. you get too excited. I don't want to burst your bubble. Oh, don't burst my. There's bubble. a. Oh no. Right, there's a butt coming. Here we go. I I was the music editor on that. Show. Yes, I know. Okay, I did not actually write the music. Okay. I know, but still, Phew, I don't want to were, give people the wrong impression. You were part of that moment. I was, and I. You know, I'm a comic book collector from way back. Okay. Okay. Marvel so or when DC? I, question, question. Uh, Marvel. Are you kidding? All right. Good job. Good All job. the way Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> good job. Yeah. Yeah. D, you, they can't see me, but DC was like <laughs> crossing the fingers. Sorry, um, DC. For me. For me. Yeah. Sorry, DC. <laughs> when I got the opportunity to work in Saturday morning cartoons mm-hmm. with Disney, I was so thrilled. I was like, oh my God, it's the perfect job for me. You know, mm-hmm. even though I had to be an adult, I still could sort of revel in all this cool comic book stuff I was doing. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when we recorded that music, you know, we didn't, there was no sound effects. So you're sitting in the or- orchestra room, you've got, you know, you're in the studio, you've got a full orchestra in front of you. They went all, you know, it was Disney. They went all the way with that. And we see the the picture on the screen, on the big screen. The composer is there conducting the orchestra, and it's all music. That's all you hear. We barely, we would play it back with dialogue, like way turned down, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. to really hear, did we get it? Did, did it record beautifully? Did everything come out well? And then the difference between that and when it would be on the air after they would add sound effects was shocking. Because wow. you heard all this gorgeous music in the studio. And then, and then when like, it's just all like sound effects and, you know, it was an action <laughs> thing. And it was like, oh man, yeah. why do we, why do we bother? You know, but, <laughs> oh, well. well. Don't worry. It got through to this kid because <laughs> I wasn't worried about the sound effects at all. I was okay, more about good. the music. <laughs> good. Good going. Good for you. Oh Thank man. You. Well, as a self-taught professional, and now you are working on being a filmmaker now, you've, yeah. you've made your full transition. What is the most difficult thing that you've encountered now that you are making films? Well, let's see. I've made a couple of short films and I've made a couple of web series. And for me, the most, I think the most difficult thing is, is con- continuing to transition up. Like I, I've made short films. Now my last short film was called Pin Up and it's the psychological drama. See how I pivoted and you didn't even ask me? Oh no, I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a clever little girl. <laughs> sorry, that's going to be my next deal, but you I'm, got it. You got it. I'm taking your job. I'm sorry. I'm taking your job away. Okay. Anyway, just keep talking about me. Okay. So, <laughs> the, oh God. So, the, that was written. I wrote that as a feature. So I wrote the feature first and I thought, well, I could make a proof of concept to see how the short plays. It was not that easy making a short out of what is really a feature story and mm-hmm. everything that happens to the character. But I managed to write it as a short and I made it, you know, I directed the short 
and it, it it's done really well in festivals. So the hard thing is getting that. I got to get the money now and I got to get the people on board and the people who, who are passionate as I am mm-hmm. and believe in me and believe in this project. And so finding those people has been a little bit difficult, well, hit and miss, I'd say, you know, <laughs> I, I don't like to use the words difficult and hard because I, I feel like that sets something in stone, you know, tomorrow a phone call could come and then it wasn't hard at all, you know? Yeah. So, so it's a journey, you know, and I keep putting those feelers out because any one of those things could come in at any time. You know? Like how you said not to use the word difficult or hard, and I'm going to start changing my vernacular now. Thank you for that. Right. I, I like welcome. how you said that in terms of setting it yeah. in stone. I've been using yeah. the word journey a lot too, like creative journey yeah. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's never linear, ever, never linear. <laughs> right. But I, oh I love how you said that for sure. I love it. Yeah. Now, Good. what was your inspiration behind pinup? Because... When I was reading it, I was like, oh, this this is looking pretty cool. And no girl from Westworld is in here. And the yeah. doctor. Yeah. Christina yeah. King. So I was like, I this, is, this is good. Why isn't this not longer? Yeah. So right. I, I want to know the inspiration behind Pinup. The story. Well, it it's about, it's a psychological, like I said, psychological mm-hmm. drama. And it's really about obsessive love and obsession with perfection and where that comes from. And that's sort of what, because I, I have always had trouble. What do they say? Don't let the, what do they say? Okay. I'll remember later. <laughs> but <laughs> but if, if you search for perfection, it's never good. Nothing is ever good enough. Mm-hmm. And which means you never are allowing things to come to you or to let things out, to let it go. As an artist, if it's never good enough, I remember I used to record the same song over and over and over because it wasn't good enough. It meant I only had one song on, on, you know, recorded. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it was ridiculous. At some point you have to let it go and let it go out there. So I think it was, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You know, it's just, just let it go, do it put it out there, do something else, put it out there, keep, but, but this obsession and, and also like I've been obsessed with people in my life. I believe that that comes from not uh, having enough love inside. And I think that as a child, okay, we're deeply psychological now. You ready? Ooh, ooh, drop it in, drop in. We're okay. getting deep okay. now. It's like inception. Okay, going deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you end up, if you're not, if you don't feel loved, not that I would know about that, you search, you search. And you know, when, when you get that reaction from people saying, wow, that was wonderful. You're so smart. You're so wonderful. Whatever it is, you know, the, a lot of artists, a lot of artists constantly searching, searching, searching for a feeling. And they think it's through the art, but I believe it's love inside feeling loved enough, feeling good enough, feeling good enough to be loved. And if you don't, you, it's like a, a bucket. You can't, it's a hole in the bucket. You, it can't be filled. And I think that comes from mother. I think that comes from not enough mother love. Don't, don't, <laughs> As a music person, I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> Look, I do, I'm scoring my interview. I don't even have to put an effect in there because you're already doing it. <laughs> You may use that. So, 
So that's kind of what I was examining. I was kind of delving into that search for perfection from an artist's point of view. When I made the, when I wrote the the screenplay for Pinup, Pinup has to do with the fact that the character, the main character's mother, was a Pinup model, and so that's where the title came from. And so there's this obsession, you know, that can happen. And I think you could people get obsessed with people in their lives, not realizing like they always. They, I, have you ever heard this? Oh, she married her father. Have you ever oh, heard yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a real psychological thing that happens when you're trying to complete a relationship with one of your parents, and it can really cause you to choose partners that allow you to complete that thing. And the sexual aspect of it is beside the point. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's about, yeah. It's about love. This is getting real deep. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Let's, let's rewind. No, no. This is good. This is good. I, I like okay. it. This is getting deep, deep. <laughs> There you go. (laughs) It's the wonderful part because you never know what is going on in a filmmaker's mind when they're directing and screenwriting and and putting their creative juices behind these great things that they put out into the world. And that there is like on a whole nother level, which is amazing in terms of the the lens that you have behind pinup. That is that is great. Wow. Thank you. you. Thank you. I thank you so much. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, don't think seriously. I, <laughs> that is, I don't, uh, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> so I might hey, sound like a offset or quavo. For, <laughs> but, yeah. It's, it's not something I think has been looked at very often, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a very real, and, and by the way, pin up the, the short film that I, yes. that I was able, because I, I made that, you know, I'm looking to make the feature now, but the short, has won 30 festival awards. I know. And that, and that's so, what makes me wonder why exactly you haven't been like, why the people don't feel aspired enough to make it into a feature film, which is what you're something you're working on currently. Right. Right. And I think it's a very specific person, you know, it, because yeah. it is, it is a little edgy. It's a little mm-hmm. edgy. And some people don't, first of all, don't get it when they read it. Some people are uncomfortable with it when they read it. I have to account for that. That's part of the, it's, it's psychological. I had, yeah. I had someone say, I had someone say to me, I love the examining of an artist's need for perfection. That's really cool. But you know what? Drop the mother stuff. And I, and I said what? like, okay, you, you do understand that that's the whole basis yeah. of the film, right? <laughs> she goes, yeah, I know. I just don't like it. Wow. Right. And I thought, do you not like it or is it just disturbing at a deep level? See? So Mm -hmm. it's deep. It's really deep. And I get that. And it's not for everybody, but I'll tell you this, the, I did the, the last award that this got was in, it was in Mumbai and it was was short. It it got the jury prize for best short film in a Mumbai film festival. And the judge was a Saudi Arabian man. Okay. What? I know. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, explodes. not to stereotype. However, I'm just know. saying he got it. Mm, so wow. for me, that means that the theme, if you get it, the theme is universal because he, he actually emailed me and he said, my mommy issues. And I thank you. Wow. I, I hope that, you, you printed that out and put it that as a plaque because like <laughs> I, pr- I printed it out in my brain. Is that good enough? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
boy. <laughs> no, but that was high praise, right? Coming mm-hmm. from, you know what I mean? So, it, and it I, I had, yeah, I had people in to the house to see, to see the short, just to get like group responses, you know, from different people and all ages, all genders, all, you know, and I wanted to see what would happen. And um, I saw that it, it reached a broad spectrum of people. So I felt pretty good about, about the, who's going to be interested in this film thing, you know? So that was, that was cool. I mean, again, it's going to take me getting it into the hands of the right people. And that's what I'm working on. I know you're working on the documentary right now. Will we see any more short films from you in the future? (laughs) She said, never. (laughs) In case anyone missed that. Never. Uh, I don't know. I... It depends on what happens. I, I have a couple scripts rolling around that are features that if they happen, then that would kind of get me into that milieu I want to be in, which is features. But I have an aging mother and she has memory problems and mm. the conversations we have are so hilarious mm-hmm. that my friends have been urging me to do a short film of like split screen of what she's, what's happening between us, because it is so hilarious. Honestly, <laughs> it's like see, hearing the same conversation over and over in a course of five minutes and watching me like keeping my voice nice and calm and patient and wanting to tear my hair out and blow my brains out at the same time. I'm sure that's very universal right now. <laughs> Probably. And you know, the thing is, my mom is very, very, she is the funniest person I know. So while we're doing this, she's saying things to make me laugh that are so funny, but then repeating everything. It's like, oh my God, I, I gotta, I gotta go. <laughs> I, I got, need to get out of here. Go. I need to get out of here. <laughs> it's like Groundhog well, Day. I am, I'm definitely looking forward to that if you put it out. Please let okay. me know. <laughs> Well, absolutely. I mean, so the, the shorter answer is no, but maybe. Okay. I will definitely yeah. keep a lookout. Everyone watch out for Liz. Okay. It's the short answer is no, but maybe. <laughs> oh man. So you, you've done the short film pinup and we're looking yeah. for that to be a feature film. Yes. And now we're getting to forked. Yes. I'm so excited for this. Oh my gosh. Okay. You, you have to give me the deets on Forked. Please just start dropping. Okay. Start dropping. <laughs> okay. So my life partner is mm-hmm. Chef Susan Feniger. She is part of the Two Hot Tamales from Food Network back in the day. She is sort of a celebrity chef. I shouldn't say sort of, she is. Um, she, it's not, there's no sort of, it. she just is. And so she's been, you know, Top Chef Masters, blah, 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 blah. You can look her up. And she also owns Border Grill, which is the Mexican place that was down in LA and in Vegas. And she opened Socolo, which is the new Mexican in Santa Monica, California. Yes, I heard about that. I heard it was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Sound effect again. <laughs> <laughs> and if I could do that one in slow motion too. <laughs> anyway, it makes you want to try, doesn't it? I know it does. I was just about to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's hear slow motion. Let's do Man. it. Okay. <laughs> just 
that, that's yeah. as slow as I can go. That's as slow as All I right. can go. <laughs> that was pretty good. Thank you. Pretty I appreciate darn, it. Good. <laughs> so, we're like you. We have we have similar brains. I yes, can, we do. I can, yeah, I can see everything is like okay, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, so. A few years, she has a, a a business partner that she's been a chef business partner with all her restaurants and Mary, years, correct? Mary Mary Sue, yes, yes, Mary Sue Milliken. And so Susan wanted to do her own restaurant separate, and Mary Sue was like, "I don't want to. You go ahead." But the problem was Susan had to start over like she was a newbie because she couldn't use their shared kitchens, their shared staff, all the things Uh they have built for 30 years in their industry. Mm -hmm. She had to do everything out of our house, you know, on the fly and test new recipes that they were thinking of doing. So Susan's love has always been street food from around the world. That was she. She used to love Indian street food. Actually, Border Grill started as it. They went down to Mexico to get the true Mexican street food that in L.A. at least we weren't getting. It was all sort of Tex-Mex, which was a, a different yes, thing than sure what is. they were. Right. So they were the first ones to bring street, real street food from Mexico to L.A. in the form of Border Grill. So what I thought was, you know. Here's a a person, she's at the top of her field as a chef, and now she's kind of starting all over. And I think that's interesting to, I mean, she had to find money, just like any person starting out would have to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I, so I thought, I someone should film this, because it's kind of interesting. And I didn't mean me, but I was the only one that was there for everything. You know, and so you it worked just, out perfectly. Well, except that I wasn't a camera operator, <laughs> which, which, which when you see the footage, you'll recognize immediately. <laughs> oh, man. Camera operator, that, please, please, anybody. Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's like, I can't afford to pay someone. And by the way, it's Saturday morning. Susan's in her pajamas opening a box of tabletop samples and like, I can't, hey, Kate, quick, get over here. I'm calling somebody, you know, <laughs> quick, wait, Susan, stop, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, so that didn't work. So I borrowed a camera from a friend and just started recording everything. And here's what I found out. A, I got to get Susan in her pajamas, which is hilarious. Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, it's very funny. B, when I was behind the camera, Susan was herself. She wasn't the Susan that you see on TV. Mm-hmm which is, you know, it's Susan, but she's being a professional. With me, she was doing all this stuff to make me laugh. So she would do everything. Like she would like pretend to throw food at me. You know, it was very funny. And that's the Susan I know. So what we have is a really intimate behind the scenes portrait of this chef trying to build this restaurant and also including the camera operator, me, in the process. Because sometimes it was just the two of us in the kitchen at midnight where she's desperately trying to fix a, a fudge recipe that like, for some reason she said like every housewife in America can make fudge, but not me. I don't know what's going on here. You know, <laughs> so, you know and bur- burning the ribeyes and it was like a mess, you know? So I got all of that. Also, we, when we would travel, we would be doing Susan's version of a vacation which is going to Southeast Asia, getting a guide and going to all these places where people don't speak English and are mostly just locals. 
mm-hmm. where most travelers wouldn't go because they'd be afraid to get sick of things. Exactly. Yeah. And we were afraid to get sick, so we, but we have a Chinese medicine guy, so he uh-huh. gave us all this stuff to take before and after. Okay. okay. You know? And, you guys and so were we set. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get, I mean, you know, you never know, but we yeah. thought, oh, well. Oh, <laughs> we're taking our chances. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like COVID right now. Oh, well. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you don't know what's going to happen, but you go. And so we went, and I filmed her there. Because for me, this is where she gets her inspiration. So this film is called Susan Feniger Forked. And the reason it's forked is because things didn't really turn out the way she planned. Got and it. Yeah. Got and it. so fit, everything went wrong. And then wow. I have it all. Yeah, and I have it all. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, it's now we're putting it together. I'm in editing now. And, okay. Uh, putting that film as a feature film, as a documentary. It's very fun because Susan's hilarious. I mean, and by the way, what I didn't realize until I really looked at all the footage later was that because I couldn't always operate the camera right, I missed things when I thought the camera was on and I got things when I thought the camera was off. (laughs) (laughs) Like classic idiot move. At one point, I have the camera sitting like askew in the seat next to me in the car Mm because I think it's off, looking at like it's got like a little bit of Susan in the corner. She's outside the car talking to somebody in the parking lot of the construction that's going to be the restaurant. And I'm you can't see me, but I'm on my cell phone and you hear me. I was probably talking to my mother. And she's probably talking I, your ear off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the same thing over. No, that was earlier. And she goes, and I said, and you hear my me saying, I don't know, I, I don't know. I'm so sick of this project. I'm so sick of filming her and editing her. I'm sick of this. <laughs> so, so you know, I thought I got to keep that in because that because that is part of this journey. Yeah, it's not only her, but she kept including me. You'd see my hand reach out and take the morsel that she's saying, "Taste this, taste this." You know, it was it was hilarious. I think it also captures an intimate, just a slight intimate look at you guys' life too, as partners. And that yeah. I think that's great to capture in there. You know, yeah. not only you just filming her as a director, but to capturing you guys in your relationship. I think that's I th- wonderful. I think that is a very astute observation on your part. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Want to look fashionable with a statement? Daisy LA is where it's at. Art apparel with a mission to empower women through conversation and community. This is where female entrepreneurship and eclectic fashion go hand in hand. Try Daisy LA. Shop there today and you get a 10% discount coupon using AJ So Real in all caps at the register. Again, AJ So Real at all caps at the register. Go get Daisy LA, y'all. My curiosity is peaking right now because, you know, you go from doing a short film to a documentary. And I'm curious, how was that different for you from jumping from point A to point B? And now that you're piecing the documentary together, how do you feel now? It's really different because when I write a screenplay, I'm God in that universe. Mm -hmm. I can make those characters do anything I want. And I am, you know, you talk about that journey. 
I'm creating the journey for, for the character, you know, the journey I want them to go on. That makes perfect and, sense. Right. And I'm, and I'm trying, there's a theme behind what I want to say and there, you know, uh, and so I'm trying to get that theme out there in this journey with the doc. It kind of took me, I didn't take it, you know, it took me where it was going to go. And for, it was kind of like, I had to find the story. I had to uncover what is the story here? Mm-hmm. For me, the story ended up being, how does one handle failure? How does one fail and get up again and keep going? And I didn't know when I was filming what this would be about. I thought it was going to be about one thing, turned out to be about something completely different. And then it was about the human spirit, you know, which is not what I, I, I didn't really have an intention behind the story, except I just thought I knew where it was heading. But when it was all said and done, there is a different story there. And it's up to me to uncover what that story is. So it's different. I'm really curious to see how it all comes together, you know, as you're editing and you have these intimate pieces and you have these funny aspects to it. And I'm sure there's some serious moments as well, you know. And there's food. There's food for people who care about food. Yeah. Not me. And she celebrated as well on her own account. So I'm sure people are going to be looking in and be like, is this how she really is at home? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's funny. Yeah. When I'm putting this together, I'm thinking there's, there's like the three-legged stool is how I, I look at it. There's the comedy of Susan Mm -hmm. because she's funny. There's the food for people who are foodies. And then there's like big trucks Cause you know, they're building a restaurant mm-hmm, like physically mm-hmm. and there's travel too, but I don't, that's just separate. <clears throat> I think there's something for everyone, you know, like I don't really care about the food, which is hilarious. Cause she's the chef, but, <laughs> but, and it isn't, you know, and she's all about food. That's what this is, but it's just not my, I'm like, ah, I'm bored with this part, but, <laughs> but some people love that. So, you know, so, so there's all that. What would you say is your favorite part that you filmed? I think that, oh gosh, there's so many. How do you choose one? <laughs> I think when, when Susan has these moments on camera where she's t- telling me everything that's going wrong, we don't usually get to see Susan unhappy because Susan is known for being this happy, bright spirit. Mm-hmm. And when she has to deal with literally the wall of the restaurant falling over. That's an unknown, unforeseen thing. And seeing how she's handling that. I know that it's not very fun for her emotionally, but on camera, it's kind of (laughs) good. You're like, this is what I'm looking for. Yeah, right. (laughs) Sorry, Susan. (laughs) Sorry. But then there is the moment when she's dancing with the dog in her pajamas. So, you know, there's that too. I mean, (laughs) it just runs. Yeah, it runs the gamut, you know, so. Oh, man. I'm excited for this. I know you guys were recently on the Food Film Podcast, and I was listening in on that, and I thought it was great. I was like, oh, I can't wait for her to be on the show. Thanks. (laughs) It's it's not easy for me to have my own um, interview because usually I, I have Susan next to me to like, I can just turn to her and make fun of her. (laughs) <laughs> like now like, you're doing fine you're doing I great can't make fun of her now 
You can make fun of yourself. You'll, uh, you'll be fine. All right. I was going to make fun of you, but I thought, I don't think that's going to go over so well. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take, I'll take it. No worries. All right. All right. Good. Good. With COVID and everything else going yeah. on, did you guys capture any, I know this is more recent, of course. Yeah. Did you guys film any aspects of that that might go in the documentary, maybe in the end or something like that? No, I, I, I don't, I, I never, I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thought, actually, now that, thank you for saying that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'll put your name in the credits, but you're not getting paid, so don't get excited. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the industry. (laughs) We didn't because um, we did do a filming. We did do filming because, you know, I I got bored. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and so, yeah. So Susan was cooking breakfast or lunch one day in her robe. And I started filming her. And uh, basically what the fun thing was, I got to be the voice that you never see, you know. And I always tell her she's doing it wrong, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is so funny. I'm like, okay, why are you putting that in? She goes, because that's how you make tuna salad. I'm like, no, that is not how you make tuna salad. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> I know. And so it's, it's actually, we, we did some fun videos that way, just for nothing, for nothing. But maybe, maybe to you, some of that would be actually funny because it's very behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I think that yeah. I would love to see something like that. I always like little bloopers and things like yeah. that. You know, yeah. I mean, You've she's putting that. She's. You should see her make tuna salad. It's hilarious. It's like I said to her at one point, "You must not like the taste of tuna because <laughs> you put so much crap in this." You can't even taste tuna anymore. <laughs> it's like it's she just puts more in, sh- Oh, it's all like she puts celery and onions and apples and so much relish, so much sweet relish. I'm like, okay, this is just a relish sal- salad at this point. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. And she's like, no, this is how you make it. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I wish you luck with the tuna salads because <laughs> I wouldn't be able to get down if you can't even taste the tuna. <laughs> I love to, and I could eat it out of a can. I'm telling you. Never mind. <laughs> I should oh, have said that. <laughs> no, I, I just had tuna for lunch. So, <laughs> see, so there you go. Oh my god. Oh man, what was the best recipe you think that she made for her new restaurant, Street? There was a Thai. I don't know what the name of okay, See, if I was a foodie, I'd be able to tell you all this. But <laughs> there was a Thai food thing that was, you never see it anywhere. On the plate, you sort of make your own little wrap in lettuce. Mm. And it's little uh, pieces, chunks of peanut and uh, dried shrimp and onion or uh, green onion and this little sauce, fish sauce. And you put it all together. There's more in there. There's like three more elements. Oh, ginger. And what happens is you put it in your mouth and, it, and the flavor, it's like an explosion. It's sort of first your, your taste buds taste things one at a time. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps going. And it was an amazing dish. Ooh, boy. So that was, yeah, that was that Thai, Thai dish. That was, oh, well. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> may, it, may it rest in peace. So, uh, yeah. So that, <laughs> that was my favorite. 
Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh-oh. I forgot about the. I forgot about the kaya toast from oh. the Philippines. Okay, so this is from the Philippines. It's a. It's a. Um, this was huge. This was a huge seller. It was a hangover cure. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm and definitely going to take note of it's, this. It's <laughs> thick. It's a thick toast. It's a very thick bread, white white bread that's toasted on one side only. So that's the exterior on the inside. So you're making kind of a sandwich out of this. And it's a coconut jam that she made from pandan leaves and coconut. And you you have to sort of make a jam out of it. Mm -hmm. And then you put the two pieces of bread on the toasted bread on the jam inside. And you have a fried egg that is a soft fried. So you dip and, and it has soy sauce, dark soy sauce dripped over the egg, which is a little bit sweet. So you end up where you dip into the egg with this sandwich of coconut jam and egg and soy. I'm telling you, it's like heaven. <laughs> Kaya toast heaven. It's amazing. K-A-Y-A is how they spell it. K-A-Y-A. It's anybody want, case anybody okay. wants to look it up. And you said from the inspiration from the Philippines? Yeah, the Philippines and also, let me think, I think they do it in Thailand, the Philippines, and they do it in, um, oh yeah, somewhere else, I don't know. <laughs> it's, a South, it's, a, it's a Southeast Asia thing. Yeah. Okay, all right. I, I might have to roll up into LA eventually when all this stuff calms down and... <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And get down. I'd be like, is I, you uh, know, Liz here? <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I definitely want to get to and especially, if, of course, with current events and Pride Month was just last month. For anyone who does not know, uh, June is Pride Month, so get with it. <laughs> and, get with it. Right? And yeah. I want to know if, you know, you d- identify as a gay woman, and have you had any challenges while you were coming up in your career? As yes. a gay woman. <laughs> yes. Well, we're getting right yes. to it. <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. What's the next question? <laughs> and and what, what exactly was those challenges? Because now we're starting to see so much come out, you know, not only for LGBT, but people of color, women, yeah. anyone who feels underrepresented, especially in yeah. the film, music you know, so on and so forth, all those industries where they don't feel represented, everyone is coming out and saying, this needs to change. Yeah. And I'm curious if you faced anything. Yeah. I mean, you do, of course you do. It's, it's hard to put your finger on what's, what's the reason. Yeah. You know, sometimes I go, well, maybe I'm not talented enough. Maybe I blah, blah. Maybe I should have, you know, given that guy a blowjob. Oh my God. Look what I just said. BJ. <laughs> you don't have to feel censored on here, so you're good. <laughs> okay, good. So it's hard to know when that's happening. You know, like I said at the beginning, the woman who got me that gig mm-hmm. was attracted to me. So who knew? You know, um, I had another situation where, you know, I was working with a composer, uh, a male composer, and I was not out. I didn't want people knowing I was gay, you know, um, yeah. this is year, years ago. And he wanted to date me. And I had to figure out a way to say no without hurting his ego because I had to work with him mm-hmm. still, you know, and, and not necessarily have to come out. 
So it was, it was always for me as a gay woman, you know, there's the female, but then there's the gay thing. Nowadays, nowadays, I don't think the gay thing is a thing as much. Certainly not in the, in the business, you know, it's who cares now, but, but back then it was, um, I did not want people knowing because I felt it would hurt my, the way people looked at me, you know? And you know, what's funny. I always worked with, I was usually the only woman in the room in every job I've had. Isn't that not funny? surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it's. It, I got. I mean, I guess I got used to it because when you're a, a, a singer in the band, mm-hmm. you're usually the only woman, right? Often, you know, and and so I got used to being, you know, the chick singer surrounded by guys, and then as a music editor, other than the violinists, mm-hmm. it was the orchestra was mostly male which is another thing to talk about, right? Why? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and the people, the, of course, the engineers were mostly male, you know, the, the people in the, in the um, studio. And, and, and when I was recording in studios for a singer-songwriter, it was all guys. So I just got used to that. Yeah. But there is a, there is a, a difference in, in, in the way women do and feel and see. And, you know, when you talk about how how things end up, which is what we're looking at, the end result. The end result is there are less women in powerful positions mm-hmm. everywhere. That's the end result. But then you have to go back and go, well, wait a minute, how does this start? And that's where you get to the systemic problem. You know, you get the whole, but then you go, well, wait a minute, how come these systems are the way they are? Well, then you get to the cultural problem mm-hmm. because our society has problems and it's power issues, you know? Yeah. You could keep going back and back and back and peeling the onion and finding out like, where does that begin? But, but you know, I don't, you can do all these things to fix the problem at the end, but you also have to figure out why are women's movies not being made as often? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why are there less women, way less women directors? Why when Susan goes to get money for a new restaurant, is she oftentimes turned down where a guy who has failed millions of times in restaurants, okay, that's not real millions, but has had a number of failed restaurants, gets money with no problem. There's Mm -hmm. something that has nothing to do with your ability to create a a successful restaurant because, you know, Susan's been doing that for years, but still the guys are getting the money and the women less so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there is a thing there about our culture, not trusting women in positions of power. And I think it's the way we view women. Yes. As not being as powerful beings. It's beginning to change, not quickly enough, but it is beginning to change, I hope. Right. Right. You know? So so it's hard for me to separate gay out from woman. From oh, no. And you know? What, I think woman is harder than gay at this point. I think in terms of your experience and how you relate to your experiences with your identity, that's how I feel like people should perceive you as, you know, and how you relate to that. I like how you point out in terms of for yourself, you know, your your separation, the intersectionalities of those two different identities and how they come together and how they're also different, you know, in yeah. terms of highlighting that too, because I've I've seen prejudices on both sides as well as just a shift in the culture. And of course, right now with us all being home from COVID and, yeah. you know, Black Lives Matter and Pride Month and Juneteenth, mm-hmm. and it, it's all over yeah. the place right now. Right. But in terms of all these 
social justice movements coming about, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these labels are slowly leaving and it's yeah. just taking you as a person. Like you as a person, you're just talented or you're this and I'm just going to take you as you are versus right. you're a gay woman. Mm, right. I don't know about that. Right. You know? Right. I, I don't think people do it on purpose all the time. You know, I think yeah. people don't realize when unconscious bias for sure. Absolutely. And I also think that this is this is a theory I've had for many years. I think that we have certain hardwiring in our brains mm-hmm. for survival that oh, yeah. is still that is still there. Mm-hmm. And we always have to sort of sort of argue and fight against it and be so aware of it. And I think that when we were cavemen, cave mm-hmm. people, cave mm-hmm. people. Cavemen and women. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. That if it if it didn't look like you and it wasn't part of your tribe, it would kill you. Right. Right? So mm-hmm. I think there is a hard wiring in our brains that doesn't trust something or someone that doesn't look familiar and look like us. In today's world, that doesn't it doesn't help us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think it kept you alive thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that's the hard wiring. And then you got to go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, fight against that and, you know, com- become conscious of it, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. My, that's my theory. I like it. I like your but theory. But then again, it's evolving. I'm an idiot. It's evolving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot evolving. I love how you just say you randomly throw it out. I'm an idiot. I'm okay. (laughs) I like to say it before anybody else can. (laughs) You know, I just finished that whole theory and people are going, okay, she's an idiot. (laughs) She's just a fucking idiot. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Oh, my God. Here I am. Take me as I am. An idiot. (laughs) Well, along with these two wonderful things that you have worked on, and we are definitely hoping that you get your feature with Anna. And I can't wait to see the documentary. When is that going to come out? Is that going to be post? Well, of course, everything's post-COVID, but later this year, next year? Yeah, I'm hoping. Let me think. Where are we right now? I'm, you know, maybe by the end of the year, I'm thinking, because I I have to put together the rough cut. Okay of the whole movie. And that's what we're working on now. And with a documentary, it's a little bit more intense because you have a lot of footage. You have to just kind of comb through and keep combing through and looking at all of it and mm-hmm. going, can I use this here mm-hmm. and there? It's not quite as straightforward as a film that you only shot the stuff you're going to use. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so there is a little more footage, but yeah, I think probably by the end of the year, well, I'll have some news that's okay. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Definitely. Because we're, yeah. we're going to promote for you, Liz. Woo! Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you. Liz, I want to know, what would be your best advice for someone who wants to be just like you, who's gone from, you know, being a musician to a songwriter to a filmmaker yeah. and has all these different positions and wants to put them all together? Well, as I mentioned, if you want to be an idiot like me, <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, but I did mention a mentor. Mm -hmm. I did mention that. And I think it's, you know, hugely, hugely important because you could be really skilled and talented, but you have to have entree. You have to have entree. That's the thing. It's kind of like the wheels going and you got to put a a stick in the spokes, you know, 
You got to. You got to get in there. And getting in there is is the, the, the challenge, I think. And oftentimes it's who you know. Sometimes that's a, a teacher. You know, if you are taking class, sometimes it's a teacher. Sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes it's a lover. But you do, I believe, entree is the thing to allow you to utilize your talent. So I say that unapologetically. <laughs> So love it. Love it. I Would had you... to practice that word, you know. <laughs> you had to take a moment there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make sure I get it all in. <laughs> so. And it, my last thing is, what would be your advice for someone who is just starting off and mm-hmm. they want to get into all these different things? Yeah, yeah. What would be your advice for that? I'm still, you know, I'm still a big fan of courses, classes, courses, uh, weekend seminars. Seminars are cool. You learn a lot and, mm-hmm. and you, it's not always everything, but you know, you start right. to see, oh, I can use this. I don't need that. I can use this part. Don't need that. Function classes are even great. I started with, with a, just a little, actually, when I first was writing my first screenplay, I started with a class. It was a gay screenwriting class. How do you like that? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> You know, I felt comfortable and, you know, there were like 12 of us and, you know, I was like, okay, now I have some buddies, you know, and so we were learning how to be a screenwriter and safe in that space Mm -hmm. telling gay stories. So that was, you know, but that was, that was my first, uh, it was like an, uh, twice a week or once. I can't remember. It was just one of those things. It was great. I loved it. So that's my advice about getting started is get, just get your skills up. So you know right. what you talk. So you know what you're talking about. You know? Got it. Got to be an expert. Got to be an well, expert. Well, you, gotta, you know what? There. Yeah. Here's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. If you're a salesman, you may not have to be an expert. Very true. Allah, our president. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both. <laughs> I had I had to go there. But see, if you're a salesman. You don't always have to be perfectly expert, but by the time you get to that place, you better have, know what you're doing. Right. You know, so you can sell yourself even if you're not an expert, but when you get your shot, you have to be ready to take it. You know, you've got to know what you're doing. Well, someone wasn't ready to take that shot <laughs> recently. Yes. So. And as we all know, because we're now all stuck in our houses. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, enough of that. Enough of that. <laughs> All right, Liz, before we wrap up here, we're going to get yeah. to the keep it real segment. Are you ready? Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to say yes. I don't even know, but I think I am. All right, Liz. Who is your favorite filmmaker right now? Oh, that is hard because I have a lot of them. I know. I know. <laughs> You okay. can always do a top three or you can always do top okay. five. Okay. My absolute, you know, my favorite is, is a, a British filmmaker named Sally Potter. Okay. And she is brilliant. She's a genius. I'm just saying. She's an artist. She is, I don't know. I can't even say enough. My most favorite film in life is a film of hers called Yes. Yes. And it came out mm, two, three years ago, I think. I mean, she does these kind of art films. Her, she did a film years ago called Orlando, which was a Virginia Woolf book. And she does these, um, I mean, it's like masterpieces. It's like painting. It's like you're just, you, I walked out of Orlando and I thought, that's, you can't even call that a film. It's, it's a work of art. Every aspect of it was 
gorgeous. The sound, the music, the acting, obviously, the writing, the, the visual imaging, all of it was beautiful. But the reason I choose Yes as my favorite film is because the theme behind it is about um, there's, there's no such thing as no in the universe. Mm. So that's the theme. And, and I love that. And the camera is so, uh, is like a brush. It's painting on canvas with a camera. The whole movie is written in rhyming verse. Wow. Okay. It's so crazy. But the way it's acted, you don't even notice that it's in rhyming verse. I'm telling you, it's poetry in motion. Oh, look at that. It's so beautiful. (laughs) It's such a, it's, it's an, it's an artist's it's a piece of art. It's a work of art. And so that, and she does that. She does works of art. And she, she also does things that I haven't seen being done. And I love that. So she's not just formula. She's breaking molds. She's doing what she wants to do. She's, she's expressing through visual imaging and sound and all of it. And, and that's what I wanted to try to do with pinup. Mm-hmm. I tried mm-hmm. to do that as well. So, so that's, that's my favorite. And she's still my favorite. Those so there's no, water. there's no really like right now about it. Like mm-hmm. she's, she's just it for me. Okay. And you also said your favorite movie. So top that. Woo, woo, okay. Go, yes. All right. <laughs> what is your favorite TV show? Oh, now you're really asking for, for <laughs> trouble. Okay. Okay. So the favorite, like, okay, can I have two? Yes. I have a, I have a favorite, like guilty pleasure. Okay. TV show. And I have a, a favorite, like cool, arty, cool show. All Um, right, let's do it. Okay. Which do you want first? It does not matter. You go for it. Okay. My guilty pleasure favorite is an Australian TV series called A Place to Call Home. It's a post-World War II drama, and it's a little soapy, Mm -hmm. but it's so delicious. (laughs) And it's kind of like Australia's answer to Downton Abbey a little. Oh, okay. Okay. It's kind of cool that way. But the lead character, this woman comes back home to Australia after World War II. And there's a lot of mystery in where she's been and what she's done. And she has converted to Judaism. And so that doesn't really fly all that well in Australia. Mm -hmm. So, so there's, (laughs) (laughs) so especially like 1950, you know, whatever one or whatever it is. And it, or it's just so delicious and fun to watch. And it, you know, and besides my dog loves it. (laughs) My dog just sits in front of the TV and like watches this thing like crazy. Wow. I, I don't know why. What's your dog's name? What's your dog's name? Well, I have two, but the one that's the TV watcher is Fanny. <laughs> and if you know anything about Australia, yes. I mean, you know that that word means something different. Yeah. Than what we, so that may be, she hears the accents and she goes, oh, my people. Right? Oh I, my gosh. I actually, my mother and her, her 90-something-year-old friends named the puppy. They, I let them name the puppy and they named her Fanny because it's also an old lady Jewish name. Like Fanny Bryce, you know, like yeah. so they named her Fanny, which we loved. But then Australians always laugh when I tell them my dog's name. My other dog is named Punch. Fanny and Punch. Yeah. Wow. And, Punch. and if anyone follows me on Instagram, they'll see a lot of Fanny and Punch. So that's, <laughs> so my, 
So my guilty pleasure is a place to call home. The the lead is played by a, I think she's like she's an Australian actress. Her name is Marta Dusseldorp. All right. She's brilliant. She's a brilliant actress. It's she's fabulous. The whole thing is just fun to watch, and it's great. Okay, so that's okay. my guilty pleasure. All right, guilty pleasure. Check. Okay. Re- other favorite TV series is called Jiri Haji. Jiri Haji. J. Whoa, what it's Japanese. J i r i. It might be G. Let me see. No, it's J i r i slash H a j i. Jiri Haji, and it might be G i. Let me look at that. Well, anyway, you'll find it. It's a Netflix thing. It's a to- it takes place part Japanese. It's Japanese and British. Okay. So it takes place in both places. And it's kind of a cop show, but it is shot gorgeously. It is, again, artist, artistry. You, they're, they're, they're painting. On. It's just gorgeous. And also out of the box, they do split screen. They do whatever they want, which is, I love that. So like they said, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool if we, and someone says, you can't do that. And they go, watch us. And they just do it. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. It's so wonderful. It's just great. It's a great series. It's a co- it's a limited series. It's a cop series and blah, blah, blah. I love I it. love how you love all this overseas stuff. Very foreign. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I you know what? There's a streaming thing called um, Acorn. I found oh, it. Oh, I've on, heard of Acorn. Yeah. yeah it's on mm-hmm. I got it on Prime on Amazon Prime. And um and it's not expensive. That's where I'm finding the BBC series. These shows are fantastic. Oh, yeah. Even it's really hard to understand them, but, you know, because they, they, talk, they talk funny, those Brits. <laughs> but, like, we're watching them, and Susan will look at each other and go, what'd they say? Yeah, sometimes <laughs> yeah. I don't get the slang. I'm all like, yeah. I gotta look that uh, up. Like they, they talk really fast, and they're like, what the? So, um, but the shows are great. There's, there's a lot of great, um, we're watching something now called No Offense, and it's it's a cop show, but the the three leads are women. Ah, so, uh, so that is really fun to watch, even though you sometimes have to roll it back to see if you can understand what they said. But it's cool; <laughs> it's really good. So yeah, so that's you know those are my favorites right now. All right, everyone, stay tuned for Liz's favorites. Okay, we definitely need to get on these shows, and we need to get on Acorn for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Liz, we've had such a great time. Thank you for stopping by, man. Thank you, AJ. Thank you. It's been really fun. I really appreciate it. I loved it. I loved it. Thanks. All right. All right, y'all. I have something to share. The secret is out. She's So Real finally has its own community. Yes, girl. The realest. That's right. (laughs) I'm getting excited just thinking about it. This community is an extension of the podcast and blog. The space is created for talented, badass women in the film and entertainment industry, just like my intro says, in order to support one another. You guys are supposed to share resources and news, network, advocate for more girl power on and off screen. Use this community for inspiration, positivity, expertise, skill development, think pieces, and much more. Ultimately, our mission is to bring your passion to reality with the support of these women. Have fun in there, and don't forget to invite any other ambitious women that you know in the industry. You can find the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to see you in there.
I want to personally congratulate Liz on her screenplay Dickinson for advancing to the quarterfinals of the 2020 Academy Nickel Fellowship in screenwriting. Boom, girl. I can't believe it. I'm so proud of you. I know you're going to get pin up, picked up. So all the success and the best. All right, moving on to announcement time. I'm currently looking for more women in music to be on the show. So if you know anyone or you yourself are interested, please email me at heyaj at shesoreal.com. Again, heyaj at shesoreal.com. And y'all know how real is spelled, R-E-E-L. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to play hide and go seek with my Frenchie Elton John. I'll see you later. Ciao. I hope you enjoyed this episode of She's So Real. If you loved it as much as I did, head on over, rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Thursday. I would love to hear more from you on topics you want to hear. Head to the show notes and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next. I can't wait to hang out with you all again soon. Remember, keep it real. Keep it real.